You're listening to the Stain and Seal Experts Podcast, where you'll get educated, get more money, grow your business, and kick the nine to five. Here is your host, an entrepreneur and mastermind behind the Stain and Seal Experts brand, Caleb Roth. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. We love sharing our information that we've learned over the years here at Stain and Seal Experts. Um, being a, a stain and seal contractor, we've got to have products we can count on, and that's why we only use expert professional wood care products. Uh, expert stain and seal and expert cleaners and brighteners really make our job easy. It's something we can depend on. Um, the number one reason for callbacks in wood fencing nowadays is because of warping, twisting, and cracking, and this oil-based formula stops that. And besides that, it's so easy to apply. Any of our guys can do it, and uh, it's just been really a great thing for our company. So check it out. You can get it at the Stain and Seal Experts store, stainandsealexperts.com, and there's tons of dealers all over the U.S. and Canada that carry it. Uh, maybe you should talk to your fence supply house, your paint supplier, or power wash store about expert stain and seal. Thanks, guys. Good afternoon, guys. Welcome to the Stain and Seal Experts podcast. Uh, we are live, teleprompter free, so bear with us if we have any technical difficulties. I got Buddy Smith on with us today from Classic Stain and Seal over in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. So glad to have Buddy. He is uh, started from scratch, and um, he's not at scratch anymore. So we're going to bring him on and let him tell his story. Buddy, what's up, man? Hey, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. Appreciate you taking time out of your day. I know it's busy season. So what's going on with yeah. you? Man, just living the dream. <laughs> Having fun, enjoying life, enjoying staining, sealing, cleaning, all the fun stuff. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, the first thing I'm going to do is, I forgot to do this a second ago. I'm going to tell everybody to say hello and where you are from because... I want to get questions. Definitely. So tell us your story, man. You you've not always been a stain guy. This is how long have you been? How how long have you been doing this? Um, well, no, I haven't. My dad growing up, he's a pastor out in California and he painted on the side. And so I've kind of always known how to tape off and cut in and fill lots of lots of nail holes. <laughs> that was that was my sure. job. We he did a lot of new construction painting. And uh, so, but then I went to Bob Jones University and got my bachelor's degree in criminal justice. And from there, I became a cop in uh, Plano, Texas, starting in 2010. And uh, we had in Texas, you can actually retire in 10 years. And uh, I pulled the plug at my 10 year and two day mark and started this business after um, talking with a bunch of friends and a lot of prayer, my father-in-law, my dad, a couple others that I would consider good Christian men who uh, kind of helped me and made me think of all the pros and cons before I uh, gave up a steady paycheck um, to starting a business that I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> uh, it was no kind of happened, kind of, is it right in the middle of COVID to uh, summer of 2020? Um, and I was just kind of, we were actually out here in Charlotte visiting uh, Casey's parents and we were out in the lake and I just kind of was thinking, I was like, man, how awesome would it be if I could have my kids grow up around a uh, family? Cause I, I grew up around my parents, but all our family was in New Jersey, Virginia, Arizona, Michigan, New York. Um, so I didn't really get to have that. I got to see him once a summer and then my parents are talking about retiring 
and moving out this way in the next few years. So I was like, if I'm going to do it, now's the time. But I didn't know what I was going to do. <laughs> I had no idea um, what I did. So I tossed some, around some ideas. And I've always had painting in my background, knowing how to do that. And I wasn't really a fan of painting. Um, but uh, my father-in-law, Van, he goes, what about staining fences? He owns champion fence builders. He goes, we don't have anyone staining fences. And out here in Charlotte, there's not very many people that do it. And so I just kind of Googled. And the only people you found staining fences out here were like fly-by-night guys or people who did painting. And then, oh, yeah, I do staining on the side. But there's no professionals out here that actually did fence stain and deck stains um, that like advertised it. So lots of lots of prayer, lots of reading my Bible and just kind of seeking God to see where he wanted me to go. Um, so before I did that, I uh, started researching on Facebook people in uh, Texas and Oklahoma who did stain fences. And the first one I found was uh, Jake Bell and reached out to him he goes well i'm all the way in oklahoma you're will you're welcome to come up here for a day and i'll show you what i do and he had a st250 and he uses another stain brand and whatnot and i was real interested in that because we were talking about buying their setup and stuff because i didn't really know about stain seal experts at the time i just kind of knew about the other company so he goes well how about this i'll give you mark's number um and he goes Mark Abelson, he goes, he's the one who taught me how to do stuff, and he's down the street from you. So I reach out to Mark. I call him up. I say, hey, man, this is what I want to do. Can I come work with you? He goes, come on, let's go bird dogging. So Friday morning, <laughs> 6 a.m., woke up, drove all the way down to South Lake, and first day on it, I started doing it, and I was like, I could do this. This is kind of fun, and enjoyed it. I worked with him for a few months about almost every Friday, learning how to clean fences, learn how to stain fences, um, decks, pergolas, um, sealing things of rocks and just brick and stuff. It was pretty cool. I just kind of got the bug for it. Talked, talked it over with my wife some more and she goes, I'll go, I'll follow you anywhere. She goes, but you got to love what you're doing. And I said, well, I think this is the time to do it if I'm going to do it. So I had, <clears throat> Uh, the past five years before, I was a school resource officer at a high school that I absolutely loved being at. And I think the hardest part was having to tell the kids that I'm not going to be there anymore. And that was kind of hard for me. But through that, I realized just because I don't do that anymore, I can still have an impact on kids through our church that I work at. So I kind of was like, all right, let's let's uh, let's do this, babe. So we called him up, called my father-in-law up and said, yeah, we're coming out and uh, we'll be out September 1st, 2020. <laughs> and that's kind of how it started. Um, fell in love with it, enjoyed the work. Um, it's hard work, but it's simple work at the same time, if that makes sense. Anyone that's staying understands it's hard work, but it's simple um, as long as you pay attention and are attention to detail. So that's kind of how my story started with starting Classic. We, we went through, I don't know, five, six, seven different names before we ended on Classic Stain and Seal. Did you have a, did you do any power washing on the side before? No. <laughs> really? See, I, uh, I, was, I was thinking you, you might have. So, so basically you, you've, you've gone into this trade or profession as a means to get yourself freedom from yeah. 
so so your story is a lot like mine i grew up without any family around and um so you you didn't want your kids to go through that yeah i mean my brother was a cop out in texas still and he's still out there in texas and i think that was the other hard part because we were we got to work overtime gigs together and hang out on the weekends because he had every other friday saturday sunday off and i had every weekend off being a school resource officer so we got to kind of hang out a lot and do <clears throat> be close because he's eight years uh younger than me so for a few years i got to be close with him and whatnot so leaving that was pretty hard but realizing i'm only a three-hour plane flight away makes it a little easier for him for me to do that yeah no doubt no doubt but how so so what was what was it like uh I guess give me give me the feeling that you have. Tell everybody what your feeling was when you showed up, like on D Day in Charlotte, ready to go to work, and you 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 know, um, what was that like? So being a cop, I always was told what to wear every day. I knew what I was wearing. Had a uniform. Had either long sleeve, short sleeve, shorts, pants, and a pair of boots or black sneakers. Well, come the day before I started, I texted my buddy Peter and I said, "Hey, man." He worked, he worked in the field of construction. I said, what do you wear to work? I had no idea what to wear. He goes, what do you mean? I said, dude, I've been told what to wear for the past 10 years. And he goes, I didn't even think about that. And he's from military. He goes, I went through the same thing. But it was it's, it sounds really stupid. That was the main thing I was concerned about, what to wear to work. <laughs> and so I just wore a polo shirt the first day and some jeans and quickly realized it's not the smartest thing to wear. <laughs> But that was that was my first feeling of not knowing where I was anymore. I was lost, confused, but at peace at the same time, if that makes sense. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's funny you say that because it's just it never crossed my mind, you know, you know, I yeah. just like you wore clothes, right? So, <laughs> yeah, he just I, I had no idea what to wear. I talked with him and he, he started laughing at me. I said, dude, I said, I, I don't know. What to, I don't have any clothes to wear. <laughs> So my first day I went out and did some quotes and uh, that was good. And then my first stain job was like 230 feet of a uh, of, uh, walnut brand. And I spilled my first gallon, of, my first five gallons I opened. I was so nervous doing it. <laughs> I just spilled it right in the yard. Man, oh, man. shadow box, everything. I was all on my own. I was like, man, what am I doing? It took me, what took, what would take me now four hours on 300 feet of shadow box it took me eight and a half that day <laughs> well you got it, it done was, in one day so that yeah that, that was a win so so how long did it so you, let's back up a little bit and talk so your father-in-law owns champion fence there in, in charlotte so that was yes, kind sir. of like you had a, a really strong resource right there did that make a, a huge difference or, or did that have you not been able to capitalize on on that relationship yet that's made a huge difference. I would say 70% of my jobs come from them with their wood fences. Um, <clears throat> I've partnered with a few other fence companies in the area. Um, Peace Sailor, Charlotte Fence, um, Fence It For You, Giant Fence, and a couple others um, that will refer us. Uh, another guy named Alan will refer us to his company as well. And uh, they've helped out quite a bit. There's another um, a firefighters out here who own a fence company and they uh, they put our name and our website email on their website for staining, which was pretty cool. They they found out I was a retired cop and they said, yep, we'll put you out there. So they refer us too. So that, that helps out quite a bit. 
and then definitely Google ads. <laughs> Google ads is the main thing right now. And it's, you put, we put it out there and our phone doesn't stop ringing Monday through Sunday. So, so what you've, what you've just laid out for people is, is a success plan. You said before you came over here, you had a relationship with a fence guy, um, with somebody who, who builds things out of wood. This, this one is a fence, fence builder. It could be a deck builder. It could be a long home builder, but you made that relationship before you made, like before you got established. So you already, he was your father-in-law. So probably unfair advantage in some folks' eyes, but um, but, you, but you identified somebody who could drive business your way and you partnered with them before you went into business. Right. So so when you went into business, you already had a good strategic partner. So I think that's an important thing for some people to write down, you know, to take notes on. And then and now you didn't just stop with with that. So so did you have any did you have any apprehension to like to work with other fence guys since your father in law was the competition? Did you? Did you struggle with that or did you just like go for it? No problem. He's the one who actually helped me reach out to the other ones. Um, and cause he, he helped me, he has friends with all the other fence companies too. And he made friends with them. So he goes, Hey, let's reach out to them. He helped me reach out and helped that way. Big time. Um, he helped big time with starting this business without him. I wouldn't have been able to start the business like I did. Uh, so it was very thankful for that because I don't think I would have done it without his help. No, and that's a nugget you just dropped there. So in in so when you were a cop, you knew other cops, right? Oh yeah. Fence guys know other fence guys. So so this so you got one fence contractor who's your father in law, just so in happenstance, and he hooks you up with all of his friends. Isn't that exactly. isn't that something? So so that just goes to show that if you ask, you will receive, <clears throat> right? So that's Definitely. awesome. So what do you think would have helped you out had you known it when you started that you know now? I think the best thing was I think everyone when they first start start out, they kind of try to shortcut and go get it done as quick as possible. Um, I now have a I've had a saying since being a cop. There's two sayings I go through fast is smooth, smooth is fast because you, you can only go as fast as you are smooth. Um, and when you're first starting out, your, your mind's just going everywhere, trying to figure out, I got to do this, got to do this, got to water this, got to tape off this. And you're like, oh no, I don't have to do this. But then you realize, no, I should have done that. Cause then you ended up cleaning up a whole lot longer than you should have. Um, so that is the other one. And then I have, uh, I was in the police academy, we were taught the platinum rule, the golden rules, treat others how you want to be treated. But I always have the platinum rule, treat others how I want my mom treated. So if I'm going out to someone's house and their customer <clears throat> and I see something I'm like, eh, I'm going to do it anyways, even if they didn't pay for it, <clears throat> because I would expect and hope someone would do that for like, if I go and clean a house and say there's, they got a Trex deck, <clears throat> sorry, obviously it's going to have, especially at this time, have mold and a, a ton of pollen on it out here in Charlotte. Am I just going to, rinse the house off and not rinse off the Trex deck because all your stuff. No, I'm going to go the extra mile just because I'd want that done for my mom. Cause I don't have to, but as a contractor, it makes you look so much better than the other competition because you're going that one step farther or they got <clears throat> their gutters are all black. Throw a little extra SH on them and it cleans them up. Um, 
or when you're or when you're cleaning a fence, pull back everything and don't just expect them to pull back all their dirt or their bark. Because I, when I first started, I would uh, sorry, there's fly. I got ADD too. Um, <laughs> but when I first started, I would try to uh, go around it. I'm like, oh, I'll just I'll just throw some more stain on it. Be all right. Well, that came and bit me in the butt a few times where I have to go back and do things. It's, it was growing pains where you have miss marks on the bottom of a board. And they're like, hey, uh, can you come fix this? Because I offer, a, my, I have a workmanship guarantee. I, I guarantee my workmanship. If they find something I missed underneath the runner, I go back and fix it. Um, I'm not going to go out there and be like, hey, all right, no, I missed it. You, you should have moved the dirt. No, that's my fault because you pay me for a job. And you're paying me well. Why would I not go out and do that? So I just, I'd hope others would do the same thing if it was for my mom. So that's kind of my, my two sayings, fast is smooth, smooth is fast and the platinum rule. You know, I like that. I like that platinum rule, but in your right. So what I have noticed in my journey as a fence stain contractor, at first I wanted to just figure out how to do it. And then I wanted to figure out how to be the fastest. Like how can we get in and out in 45 minutes on every job we go to? And then when we start to scale and get employees and team members and things like this, we start figuring that the things that are actually tips and tricks that make you go super fast are the exact things that would bite us in the butt. You know, oh, it's yes. like, it's like we're going to wet the house down with water instead of mask it. Well, the, the water trick works, but there's two things that might happen. One, it might not work. It may dry or whatever. And two, it might get on the fence and run make the stain not stick to the fence so yes. why wouldn't we just mask it it's you know and it's it's like we we have to slow down to speed up sometimes you know it's like let's just take all the steps that we got to take let's not it's like the back brushing thing what i'm noticing is a lot of guys that are really getting top-notch service top-notch pricing and the leader in their market we're starting to see guys back brush fences do they have to no but i think it i think that's just a progression of the industry and we're seeing a lot of guys that are growing they're starting to realize the things that we do to make us fast are not necessary as as an owner operator one well, one guy are not necessarily the things that they're going to take you to a million bucks so i think you're spot on with your assessment because that's it that's what i've found and that's what i'm kind of seeing amongst the top guys in the industry they're they're taking out all the shortcuts and doing it the right way the first time which is uh interesting because it's not what you think no. when uh you know you think that everything you want to go a thousand miles an hour so so that's yeah, it we started we started back brushing probably about six months ago um because for a while like oh you don't have to but then you're going back and seeing some runs like oh, i'll just throw more stain on it which great then you're you're losing your profit when you're throwing on another five five gallons of bucket of stain because mm -hmm. you're like, oh, I'll get back over it. When you can brush a Wooster brush that I use and just back brush, it takes five seconds, takes no extra stain, and it makes it look so much better. I mean, I have I have a crew of Daniel and Andy, and I mean, I call them the elite staining crew of Charlotte. <laughs> They're awesome. Um, they they did two fences today, and like six hours. Um, I mean, they're short fences, but they still got them done and I, they back brush and it looks so much better in a complete job when we leave and say, and tell the customer after they do their walkthrough, oh yeah, it's going to level out. It's going to do this. And they're like, eh, I don't know about that. Um, which it does, but 
it doesn't look like you're doing a complete job when you're there. Um, and it took me a year to start doing it. Cause I was like, I just need to get, I need to get as many as I can done. Um, I just, I want to get it done and get in, get out and whatnot. And there's some of the fences I've gone back and I have seen the difference. There is a couple streaks and a couple fences that I have done. And I'm like, man, I wish I've, I wish I would have backbrushed that would have took five seconds. And to be honest, back brushing, I think is quicker than just waiting for it and throwing more stain on personally. Um, we still do the water trick with Dawn dish soap in the background. That's when there's a couple of us there and we can keep water on the house. Um, I've had the luckiness lately of having nobody around <laughs> of no houses around. So we're not having to worry about overspray like crazy. Um, but we have a Titan 6,900 that we use and we can dial it down. Um, that was your recommendation to get. So that's what I got. Um, it works awesome. Uh, we can do 1400 feet of fence of farm rail in like four hours with it, throw two guns on it. Um, and it's just, it just doesn't quit. Um, I love it. But like you're saying to be, make yourself stand out, you got to do more and not less. And that, that helps out a lot. Masking, I've masked all my life with my dad, um, taped off, uh, export is our, our friend, especially on in between houses and then mask around it. It's, it takes 10 minutes to do that and get it done right. than it would be if you're get it on a house and have to repaint it. Like I've done it before. I've made a mistake. Like with my first three months, we got stuff on it on the house. And then I tried to clean it off and had to end up costing me $1,600 to repaint their house on both sides. But in the end, they were thankful and they're going to use me again. So it's just what you have to do sometimes. Lessons learned hard way. <laughs> Man, that's, that's true. And, and so the back brushing thing, I'm glad you brought that up. I was looking for to see if I could find um, the U.S. Forest Products Labs article on back brushing. Back brushing since the beginning of time has proven to, to, um, to just make sense. And I, I don't see performance of back prime. I'll find that and I'll, I'll do an article about it. And, uh, but there you go. So, so back brushing, that's, that's another thing that I've been seeing. I've been seeing a lot of guys, people that use all different products, wood defender stains, our stains, water-based stains, Sherman Williams, you name it, ready seal. These guys, a lot of the top guys in each industry are starting to back brush. There's still some markets like we see in Texas and Oklahoma where guys are just, they're fighting it. They're refusing it. Um, but the science is there for one that breaks surface tension. It, it smooths things out. Um, but I think the thing, the common thread that I'm hearing about guys who back brush is you use less material oh, and yeah. you use almost the same amount of labor. Um, so I think that's, that's huge. We've, we've implemented in our company and I've, it's, we've not been doing it long enough to see what the long-term return is on it. Um, but I think it's just another one of those things that just makes sense. So penetrating stains level out by gravity. Well, if, if, if you flood coat from top to bottom, if you flood coat the top, it's going to run down a foot, six inches, whatever, two feet. Well, if you flood coat the bottom inch of a fence, where's that going? It's going right into the ground. So you're, you're losing Waste. product. Yeah. You're wasting product. So we got an environmental issue and then, and then we've also got a profitability issue. We're throwing away at the end of the year, you know, you do, if you waste five gallons on every fence, you do 500 fences at the end of the year. 
Uh, let's let's do the math on that. I'm sure there's a back brushing calculator somewhere. So 500 times five gallons, 2,500 gallons times uh, average guys probably paying $35 a gallon. If you do 500 fences and it costs you five gallons per fence, that's $87,000 for the material you threw away <laughs> because you were too lazy to use a brush. Yeah, it's it's a number worth looking at, you know, and if and if I'm half wrong, it's still forty four thousand dollars. And if I'm, you know, and if it's a much smaller company, it's still something. It's still, you know, a, a weekend getaway. Right. So Definitely. worth worth looking at. But, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to see those trends that those trends are coming. What about what advice have you got for um, finding find? I don't want to say, I don't know if finding help, but getting your team on board with what you're doing and getting them set up for staying. What, what have you found to work? Anything you want I mean, to talk about your team? Uh, I mean, my team's awesome. I, uh, both of them, I actually play softball with every Tuesday night um, <clears throat> out in Harrisburg. And one of them, Andy, He's been with me for about eight months now, nine, maybe nine months, eight months, nine months. And <clears throat> he's my first guy I brought on. And it took him a little bit to hang on, but man, he can go. He we show up to the thing. I don't have to tell him what to do anymore. He just he bought in right away. It, he he loves being outside. He loves working. He looks for the opportunities um, to do more. Um, but well, I think what really got him to buy in was seeing the instant gratification of the job you're because you can go from seeing old wood and restoring it and then seeing that and be like how the first time he did that he goes this is like witchcraft magic i said said no i said it's just it's just it's, it's really chemistry learn how to use all the chemicals he goes that's pretty cool and then um the staining part he really enjoys that i think i think he enjoys the cleaning more than staining and he's really good at cleaning um he's i mean he picked it up quicker than I did, honestly. Um, and I just showed him a few times and he can, you tell him what to do. He's like, all right, I got this, this, this mixture. All right, let's go. Um, Daniel, he's been with me for a few months now. Um, he wanted to work for me last summer, but I was, I didn't want to bring him on yet just because I was learning everything. Um, he has three kids and I didn't want to be in a situation where I couldn't pay him enough or whatnot. And I wanted to make sure that I had enough work and business that I could take care of everybody. <clears throat> and as soon as I did this year, he came up, I think the first or second week of March after he had his third kid and he picked it up real quick. I gave him a, the first day, I gave him 350 feet of shadow box, just like I had <laughs> walnut even. And uh, <clears throat> he's like, how do I do this? I said, you'll learn. And I left <clears throat> and he picked it up. Um, there's no nothing around that he had to worry about overspray or anything. So it was just one of those things. He's like me. You learn by trial and error. About six hours later, I was doing some quotes for decks. I come back and he's halfway done. He goes, how do you get this done in a day? So I threw on my 1223 tip and started going. He goes, you got that done in an hour and a half, the rest of it. And I said, yeah, I said, you just got to learn. Um, he did. He can now do just as quick as I can. And so can Andy. Um, they both have picked up of not me micromanaging. Um, when I was training them both <clears throat> I would hand them the job and I'd go sit in my truck and just let them I didn't want to feel like they had someone looking over their shoulder to see if they messed up <clears throat> because they can with staining you can do it and fix things as long as you're there um, 
if they mess up something, it's easy to fix um, unless they get it on the house and it's dry. Then you're in a little bit of trouble. Um, but when they're out in the open, they can go and learn. And that's kind of the best advice I can be when you're hiring someone and training someone is don't be a micromanager. I had sergeants as a police officer that would check your numbers and look at you and and just kind of be on your back constantly about what you're doing and what you're not doing. And so I'd never want to do that. Um, and there's times you do have to watch because they're like, you're by a house and you got to make sure everything's masked off properly and stuff. But once it's good, you got to trust your guys. Cause if you don't trust your guys, you can't ever have a successful business in my opinion. Expert professional wood care makes high quality stains and sealers and eco-friendly wood cleaning products. Expert stain and sealers can be used in any sprayer system, require no back brushing, and do not stink like other brands. Expert stain and seal is a true oil-based formula, perfect for fences, decks, patio covers, and pre-staining applications. Less warping and twisting, longer lasting finish, and easy application are just a few of the benefits of Expert stain and seal. Join our online community of thousands of fence staining contractors at staininguniversity.com and be sure to download the Stain and Seal Experts app, a free stain calculator and estimator tool available now in the Apple App Store. For more info, visit realgoodstain.com. That's realgoodstain.com. What do you think? So so what's the staining industry like? Like going into it, like competition is what we're talking about. You know, your mm-hmm. market. What What's that like? Have you, have you met other guys in your market? Because I know there's a lot of guys in Charlotte. Um, yeah. in, the, in the Carolinas. What's the, what's the industry like over there? It's pretty good. Um, JJ with uh, Outdoor New, John Jawaz. I think that's how you say his last name. I never really knew. Sorry, John. No one, I know you're watching. No one, no one knows, <laughs> John. You need to put it in parentheses beside your name so we know. Yeah, like pronunciation for me because I'm not really sure how to say it. And then uh, Rick with Stain Better. Um, Rick's actually came to work with me a few times kind of learning how to do things uh when he first started um kind of the same thing i did with uh mark abelson and it was it was really good um he knew quite a bit but i think the coolest thing was when he learned about cleanup on a on a plastic shed how he he's like you don't need to we watered it down did it because it was i mean it was right probably about that far away from the fence there's no way we couldn't tape it off and plastic it and he goes that stuff actually works i said yeah watch and it just came right off <laughs> he goes that's 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 magic <laughs> so that was kind of cool um to kind of show him like tips and tricks and whatnot obviously with concrete we don dish soap the junk out of it with water and keep it wet the whole time and never had to have any problems with it especially with with y'all's um brand it just it just comes right off, especially when there's water. It's, it's, and like you said, it's like I said earlier, it's chemistry. Don't, oil and water don't mix, so it yeah. helps. Yeah. So it sounds like you've. It sounds like all the guys in your market are working together. Yeah. It's a it's a friendly space. You know, some industries are kind of cutthroat, and I know that a lot of the power wash guys you see every day. It's like the power wash guys who took my signs down. They were there for thirty minutes, and some some other power washer put his sign in place. Seems like most markets we talk to, the fence, the, the staining guys tend to work work together. So I think it's, I think we got a good thing going in the industry. Definitely, there's yeah. there's so many things out here in Charlotte that you, there's a dime a dozen of power wash guys, and it's you can 
watch them just argue over Facebook. And I'm just, I just sit back and laugh. I was like, that's, if that's your biggest problem, <laughs> you got nothing going on in your life. It's yeah. just, it's Let's, just crazy. Well, you know, the rising tide raises all ships. So industries where people work together, they grow faster, plain and simple. Oh, yeah. so, so if everybody can work together, be amazed at what would happen. What, are there any struggles in the stain business you think that, that maybe aren't, Maybe you're having, or maybe just the industry has as a whole, something that you want to spotlight and see if anybody's got any advice on it. Um, I think the hardest thing is people when they see the price. Because um, the price, like me and John and Rick, we all share our prices. That way we're all staying competitive and not undercutting each other or overbidding and whatnot. Um, but there's some people like, oh, I can get that done for $500. And I've had a few customers come back to me, hey, can you fix this? And what would it costed? 800 bucks is now going to cost them $2,100 because I have to strip re and re restore their whole wood because of what the, the power washer did. Um, sand it all down and, and their stain, they used, they used crappy stain from Home Depot or Lowe's and it doesn't, it's flaking in two months and it's not holding right. And they're like, well, I should have just used you. And like, why is your price so much higher now? So well, I got to fix it. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing is the sticker shock. And, but once they get over it, they're like, Oh wow. That's why we paid for this. I think one guy goes, one guy, what job was like 2,200 bucks. And we did it in like three hours of a stain job. He goes, I can't believe I paid you that much for that. I said, well, you paid me for my knowledge, my training, my equipment and all this kind of stuff. Cause if you would have done it, you would have been here for a week. And he's like, yeah, I guess you're right. So, I mean, that's probably the hardest thing is sticker shock. But with all the rising prices in wood, I mean, fences are, what, $35, $40 a linear foot to be built now. Um, and you're paying $8 to ten, eight to $12 a linear foot now for staining. They're like, oh, that's nothing. But last year, it was it was a pretty big sticker shock for everyone, I think, until they realized how much housing and everything's going up. Yeah, yeah. There's been a lot of increases across the board. But it, it is it is what it is. So what are you doing to, to educate your customers about it? Um, Casey, I, I, my let, wife. Let me rephrase that. What are you doing to educate your customers about the value of protecting their fence investment? Like, how does that work for you guys? So Casey's kind of the face and the voice of Classic. Um, she answers all the phone calls. She does all the billing, all the estimates. Um and sends out the quotes and talks to the customers. And she's very knowledgeable with the stain and what we do and how we do it. <clears throat> so she explains the protection of it, of the ceiling, keeping the moisture out. And then um, she's really good at talking people out of doing water-based stains or painting their fence. Um, we charge more for water-based and painting fence because of all the materials are a little bit more expensive, as well as the labor is through the roof compared to the oil-based stain. As you see in that picture, the water-based stain, I just, I, we, they, Casey explains as well as I do, it's like a sticker, it sticks on there. There's no really protection. Once that sticker starts peeling, it's, it's done, and the wood starts rotting from the inside out. And when they start hearing that, they're like, oh, yeah, let's go with the oil-based stain. It makes it so much better. Um, and I've actually uh, sold some stain to a contractor. Uh, he had cedar shake, and he wanted it some more cedar color to it. So I sold him a, I think I've sold him like 10 gallons worth of cedar stain so far. And he did all a shake and the contractor 
calls me back and goes, what is this stuff? And I said, what do you mean? He goes, every time I cut it, I can't get it off me. He goes, it's all the way through the wood. I said, it's because it oil penetrating stain. He goes, because he, he was a big sickens guy. And I said, try this, just try it. And I said, if you don't like it, I'll return all your money. I said, I'll give you the stain for free. He goes, I can't use anything else now because of how well and protective it does for the wood. And he's done it with all his tongue and groove now and his cedar shake and his, uh, his cedar columns too. Wow. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah. So and if, if you're listening and not watching, we've got a picture of, of the stain penetration from the top of the board cut in half all the way. You can see the penetration. This board now, the, this board is about two weeks old in the picture. The problem is these things have an expiration date because the stain will penetrate all the way through and it's not near as impressive when the stains all the way through the board yeah. as it is when it's halfway through. But yeah, so so you're educated. I love your analogy about a sticker. I really like that one. Uh, that makes it makes it easy for people to understand. But uh, so a film forming stain is like a sticker and it can peel off. That's awesome. I like that. So where do you think where do you see our industry going here in the next three to five years? Where do you think it? needs to go <clears throat> i think honestly i think it's going to slow down a little bit um with everything going on with the markets and whatnot um i hope not um we're booked out right now i think we're booked four to six weeks out um with one to two a day and depending on how big they are uh but i think a lot of it just has to come through teamwork um i think a lot of people are scared to share their pricing. Um, and if we were to share our pricing more often, just be open, we could keep the market at a way that no one else can touch us. I'm not saying have set standards and anything like that or anything illegal, but if you're just kind of like, Hey, I'm at $8 a linear foot or 80 cents a square foot, whatever you want to consider it, be open about it because if you're if you're worried about your competition, then you're not focusing on your business. Um, my father-in-law he he uh, always said, "Don't be afraid to train someone because they may go out and do it themselves." Because if you're afraid to train someone, then you're never going to grow, and you don't want to be stuck. If you if you treat your employees right, they're going to stay. Um, yesterday we were, we had a big HOA cleaning. And uh, my guys, it, I mean, it was hot. <laughs> like we were all sweating through our shirts and everything. So I just Uber eated us some some uh, Smoothie King, just enough to cool us down, take a break, and finish the job. Um, showing appreciation to your employees will keep them around. I think is the best thing. Another thing to do. No doubt about it. That's for sure. Yeah, I think I think you got to be careful talking about pricing. It's because of antitrust laws and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I think that. Um, transparent pricing on like a lot of guys in the service industries are putting pricing right on their website. Like for instance, let's just say we'll, we'll translate it over to plumbing, heating and cooling, new hot water heater, $1,200, new HVAC system, $8,500, new, whatever, new uh, light switch replacement, 800 bucks. And they put it right on their website. So if you call and you need, if you, you know, I need my hot water heater changed out. Well, I can go buy one for 400 bucks, but they're 1200, but they can do it. They can get in and out. And that's what we see as industries that do. I, I don't see industries like um, heating and plumbing and cooling. Those those are the businesses that have $500 million companies yeah. in each market. Like I'm sure Charlotte's got one. Who's the big HVAC and plumbing and heating company there? 
Uh, there's a bunch. Travis Matthews. Um, there's a yellow company. I can't even think of the name right now that we use. But there's there's like three of them that are huge right now. Yeah, you got Travis two in, Matthews. Is good. You got two in Nashville. You got Lee Company, who's five hundred million dollars. Last time I checked, a couple years ago, and Hiller Plumbing, who's I think over a couple hundred million. And they don't. The, the, those industries don't get that way um, by racing to the bottom. Yeah. And so, so I, I guess the point of that is, is if you want to, you, you have to, you have to charge a, a proper price. And there's a lot of people you can listen to on the internet that can tell you about this and what your margins and things should be in order to grow your business. So what I'm learning, you know, Tom Reber and all these guys talk about a 50% gross profit margin. I am learning that the companies that grow the big ones, that grow the best are running an 80 to 180 to 99% gross profit margin in order to grow their business to the size that they do. And I'm, I'm wondering how in the world that works. And it's, it's very, very interesting to start to study and learn these things. And, uh, but I think to your point, if everybody works to raise the level of service, the price will follow. And if everybody works to raise the, the, um, you know, what, what does a staying contractor offer to, to as an employer, whether it be, you know, whatever benefits it is, whether getting smoothie King on the job site, getting benefits like, you know, insurance, healthcare, whatever vision and retirement. When you add those things in, the money has to come from somewhere and it won't come from anywhere if the money's not there. So, so um, I think being, being competitive, you can be competitive in more ways than just being the cheapest guy. You can be the yeah. guy who is more competitive because he has the best level of service because he has the happiest people who do the best work, who have the best benefits. Right. So, yeah, I think if I think the stain industry as a whole is kind of we're not there yet. But if, if we talk about it, I think we could get there. So, well, so definitely. I can definitely see it going that way. Um, we're trying. I try to run about a 70 percent profit rate at margin right now and i'm i'm getting that maybe 70 to 80 percent um decks i'm getting more than that but fences um i'm about 70 to 80 percent profit margin yeah and so what he's talking about that's a gross margin that does not mean net profit so um, yeah yeah and there's a book i'm reading right now let me grab it i'll show you something all right <clears throat> so i'm reading this book called simple numbers uh mm. straight talk it's by Greg Crabtree. One of my, I, I got a coach that told me to read this book, but I and I've not got to this chapter yet. But let's see here. Why ten percent is the new break even? So gross profit margin at eighty percent, you still may be left with eight percent profit. You know, net, you might be left with twelve or eighteen or twenty percent net. But most businesses, most big businesses, a, a lot of businesses that are doing very well shoot for 20 and, and usually get closer to 10. So, and they're, they're saying that 10% net profit is, is a break even point. Wow. Yeah. So, so it's interesting how things are changing and it's going to change again with this new tax code if they pass this new tax code. So that's interesting. Something to know about. Um, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother topic of conversation. But anyways, that's, that is, that is pretty cool stuff to talk about and think about. And it, it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. Yeah. The way things are changing. 
Let's change the topic. Let's get. Let's see if we can trend on Twitter for a minute. What do you think about Elon <laughs> Musk buying Twitter? What's What's up with that? I think it's awesome. I think it's one of the best things that could happen right now. <clears throat> he wants to change it where everyone can actually speak their mind. I mean, I mean, it's in our constitution. <laughs> Why not let it be done? Um, get rid of all the bots and whatnot. Uh, I think, I think regulating some of the stuff is kind of kind of junk in my opinion but i mean it's also scary at the same time of having one man own something and it can control the narrative without us even knowing so i mean i mean twitter's been doing that as it is already but it can there's a it's a balance and it's got to sway one way or the other um it can be it can be exciting but it can also be scary at the same time I think it's a good thing, though, especially with how Twitter's been lately. Well, usually any time the news media th- says something's bad, I usually believe it's probably the opposite. Or, you <laughs> exactly. Know, right? So in, in pr- proof that things are have been swayed, it's like it's like everybody's yelling and screaming about gas prices because that's what's on the news where gas has gone up. You know, if you're spending $500 a month on gas, which most people are not spending that. I think most homeowners, regular people who don't like have work trucks. What do you think they're spending a month on gas? Maybe 200, maybe 200 bucks, 200 bucks a month. And that, and, and is that at, with the high prices? Yeah. So maybe they were spending a buck 25 before. Yeah. So a buck 25 to 200, how much are you spending on groceries now compared to what you were paying for groceries three years ago? Man, there's about a couple weeks ago I went to the grocery store with Casey and we just I got the bills like two fifty and I'm like, what did we buy? And I went through, made sure nothing was double marked. We just bought normal three years ago to probably been a hundred bucks or less. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, so that that's kind of proof that the news media kind of <clears> controls <throat> the narrative because food prices of groceries the grocery bills going up exponentially. Fuel's oh. going up a hundred percent. Groceries have gone up three thousand percent. Nobody's screaming about their groceries going up. So yeah. everybody's worried about gas. So at the end of the day, we got to just uh, got to do what's best for our family, I guess, right? Everybody. Yeah. And I think, and I think at the end of the day, what that is is freaking keep on working, keep on doing things, and yeah. contribute. So, anyways, maybe, maybe this, uh, maybe this. I mean, I'm inter- I'm excited to see what this Twitter thing means for. Um, I hear CNN's for sale, so maybe, maybe somebody, <laughs> maybe somebody good will buy that one too, or Disney. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. way good. That that that's is another story in itself too. Sure, it is. That's crazy. Yeah. So here we got somebody, uh, Houston, Texas. Do you all have minimums? If so it seems like a good minimum for standing. Bonita Ransom. All right, Bonita. Yes. Thanks for watching. Um, you know, I think I don't. I think everybody's minimum is probably different. Um, you don't have to say how much your minimum is, but what I mean, do you believe in minimums? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have a problem saying my minimum. My minimum come out to stain is six hundred bucks. I don't care if it's ten feet or to whatever it meets my minimum. It's six hundred dollars. Uh, I have to pay overhead. I got to pay for the stain. I got to pay for gas. Got to pay for my guys insurance because i'm fully insured and everything and licensed and insured and there's stuff that comes up so i can't just if it's 10 feet i'm not going to charge you 80 dollars because the stain alone is more than that <laughs> and for a bucket of stain um i keep i keep a pretty good stock of stuff 
but um, it's I have a minimum of six hundred dollars, which might be coming be raising right now. Actually, uh, it just depends on prices of gas and whatnot. And I'm kind of we've been talking it over me and Casey to see if it's going to go up to seven hundred dollars. Um, there might be, and we do have small small job fees as well. Um, if it's under a hundred, if it's under a hundred feet, we add an extra two hundred dollars. Um, if it if it goes above the six hundred dollar minimum, uh, just because you have to. Um, not that we're trying to rip people off, but I also we also have a business to run and take care of other things than just owner operator. I now have two other guys and other guys and stuff going on that I have to pay for. Um, for cleaning, for me to come out and start my truck is 300 bucks with my with my wash trailer. <clears throat> um, if it's cleaning a sidewalk, now if I'm if I'm in the area and someone asks me to do something, I cut it in half. Like if I'm at a house, hey, I got a sidewalk, can you do it? It's a, I'll I'll do 150. But if I'm coming out there, um, just to come out for one job is 300. dollars That's just kind of how it has to be. No, that makes sense. And and I think what you got to figure, if Benita, if you're trying to do this, is there's two things you got to figure. Is one is what does it actually cost? You know, I think there's a couple of different equations and I would give a, a much more intelligent answer if I had time to crunch the numbers and sit down and think about it. But what's it cost you to go out and do a job? What's it cost fuel mileage? What's that cost? What is it? What's your what's your what's your labor going to cost uh, to get people there um, and get them back and what's your material? Right. And then for, for us in our company, we're going to have a higher minimum because <clears throat> of opportunity costs. So I think opportunity cost is one thing people don't think about. If I'm booked out for seven weeks solid um, with jobs, that's an average of like a $2,200 job, let's just say, and somebody wants me to come do one for 600, I have, it's gonna actually, thank you, Joey, it's gonna actually cost me, right? Because in that one hour, two hour time frame, I could be doing a $2,200 job instead of, and so, so you got to figure that now I'm all for taking care of folks and, and doing things we got to do. But at some point you got to figure out what that opportunity cost is and it worth. So that's where I see a lot of guys on the opposite end of the spectrum of really big jobs. They get in trouble because they get it like commercial jobs and things. Let's say average stain guy does $2,000 a day in service. Um, and he does, and let's just say those are $1,000 jobs. He does two $1,000 jobs a day, every day of the year. And he gets a project that's going to take 10 days um, and it's a $7,000 job. It's going to take 10 days, right? He's losing money, right? So you got to figure that opportunity cost. Some A guy told me that once, that word opportunity cost, and it just blew my mind because I was like, wait a minute, we got to figure out what the opportunity cost is. So if you if you got nothing going on, go for it. But if, uh, if, you're, if you're booked out, you definitely got to look at that, so. Some There's of those smaller to... jobs are harder than the bigger jobs too. Yeah. <laughs> they take longer. <laughs> yeah. Lesson learned. <laughs> well, and and then the also, <clears throat> I, I think a common phenomenon is the the forty thousand dollar customer says, "Let me know when it's done. Here's the money. I'll pay you up front. I'll be on my, you know, I'm vacationing in the Hamptons or whatever. Just let me know when it's done." The three hundred dollar person is like, on top of you. Like, what's going on? I need to update. You know, this is a big deal, and so. Um, 
sometimes that happens. So sometimes, sometimes they are not your customer. So, yeah. but anyway, there's been a a few I've had to back out of. And a great way, a great way to, to build community there um, in your service area is, Hey, if, if this is below my minimum, have two or three people you can refer it out to, you know, we don't do solid stains. If, if that, you know, if we don't do solid stains, refer to somebody who does, if we don't do, um, five sub $500 jobs, send it to somebody who does. And they'll remember that. And they might get a five mile long fence one day and be like, well, we can't handle this, you know, and they'll send it to you. So, so that's a thought too. I'm surprised we don't have any more questions. I guess we're in the middle of the day and it's beautiful today. Everybody's getting caught up, but Bonita, any more questions? Did we, hopefully, hopefully we cleared, hopefully we helped. If we didn't help, let us know. And, um, and that's about it. So my dad out in California loves your stuff too he he did a fence in sequoia and it looks awesome <laughs> it's on cedar so it looks even better um than the pine we have out here but oh he, man yeah. he's enjoying it he loves when he gets one sequoia is a beautiful color it was made for the guys in northern california but the whole state loves it yeah it's a beautiful color you should see it on redwood it's gorgeous oh, I bet. Yep. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So Benita says, uh, I'm thinking to determine minimums by the time it will take versus my daily goals numbers. I was just curious. Thanks guys. Yeah. Yep. Sounds like you're on the right track. So, well, I guess that is about it for the show, man. Uh, anything you want to add to a new perspective, somebody who's thinking about getting in the staining business? I mean, just take your time. <clears throat> That's the, that was my thing. Don't rush into it. Don't rush out of it. Um, when I first started, I mean, there's times I questioned myself, like, what did I, what did I get myself into? <laughs> um, <clears throat> you're like, you don't understand, but a lot of it, I think a lot comes back to my Christian faith where I just have to trust God to bring me through things. Um, there's times when I'm like, I don't have a job today. What am I going to do? You go out, you go find a job. <laughs> you just got to know how to, find one even if you go offer a free cleaning somewhere and then you upsell something um it works um but you just gotta you can't be discouraged because it you will go through those times where you do have nothing um especially when you're first starting out you you may start out because i started out real hot i had for the first month i was bam 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 because i started in september but come december january i was like hmm what do i do (laughs) And that's the times when you have to have the faith and go out and learn how to, I hate to say that, I hate the word hustle, but you have to learn how to hustle and talk with people. And it's not hustling people, it's working hard and going out and making yourself worth it to others and proving yourself. If you want to win a a race, what do you got to do? You got to hustle and run fast. You want to win a basketball game, what do you got to do? So it's no (laughs) Yeah. So you you said something that, so I see this a lot. I see a lot of guys that start their first year in business, particularly those who start in midsummer, late summer, they get that. They just go from they. So what, what a lot of time, what happens is people go from living paycheck to paycheck. And what I mean, not necessarily hand to mouth, but they, their expenses are calculated based on what they make on their paycheck. When you start a business, you, you have cash flow and, and cash flow sometimes will be like, you'll be like, wow, look at all this money that's coming in. And well, the cash flow that is even money left over after bills are paid, paid 
or after, you know, your cost of goods sold, your materials are paid is gross profit. And so those that gross profit has to go to pay the light bill. It has to pay the insurance. It has to pay whatever there is to pay rent, new equipment, repairs, damages. And it also has to get you through slow times. Because this is sort of a seasonal business depending on where you live. And so we see a lot of guys that start a stain business. They make a ton of money the first two or three months. And then what, what do you see on Facebook? You know, they get selling their stuff. <laughs> well, well, no, before that, though, you see oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. vacation, brand new <clears throat> truck. And, and not only is the new truck, but it's got it's got the 20s and the, and the you know, the aftermarket wheels and tires. And then and then, oh, oh, and we went to Cabo. <laughs> we, we went on a vacation and uh, maybe wife gets new jewelry. Uh, what you know, whatever you start, they, they start spending this money because it's coming, and then December hits and it slows down a little bit. And Christmas, of course, you got to spend big on Christmas, um, because it's the first time we've ever had the cash flow to do so. And then January rolls around, and dude, that's when everybody gets laid off, and that's that's where the service business gets its bad name. It's like you don't want to work, you know, you, you want to get a real job. That's what makes it not a real job for so many people is that the boss doesn't understand how to control and manage that cash flow. It's like Elon Musk, if we're going to talk about him, he said, um, what's it? Resource allocation. The money is resources. It is a resource and you've got to learn to allocate it properly. And that's and that's so that's probably the biggest mistake I see to guys in any service business jumping in first year cash flow. They spend a ton of money. Winter hits. They go broke and they go, man, this is stupid. I should have just kept my job. But if you would just save some money, you'd have been all right. So in taxes, too man, I got to pay taxes. Like, well, you, you paid tax. It's kind of like, you know, it's like, I don't want to make money because I might have to pay taxes. Why don't, why don't we just apologize for how much taxes you're going to pay? I'm going to apologize in advance. You might have to pay a lot of taxes if you start uh, a business like this, but you're going to make the money. You know? So that's the way it goes. Anyways, man, where can folks find you at, um, Classic Stain and Seal. How do, how do people look you up in, in, in Charlotte? We are on Facebook, Classic Stain and Seal. We're on Instagram, Classic Stain and I think it's Classic Stain and Seal. That's bad. I don't even know my own Instagram. I think it's Classic Stain and Seal. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's Classic Stain and Seal. Um, we're on <clears throat> TikTok, Classic Stain Guy. Awesome. Um, not a, and then that's about it. And then we're on, we got our Google page and our homepage of www.classicstainandseal.com. What's the best one out of all those social medias? What's the best one for your business? Not, not the one, the best one to contact you, but what do you think if you could only have one, which one would it be? Google. Got it. I agree. Our Google I kicks blood on our company. Our Facebook does pretty good. Um, <clears throat> but Google by far, Google your AdWords, your ads, um, keywords, all that kind of stuff. If, if you don't know how to do it, you need to take a class. Um, yeah. I, I, my father-in-law does it for me and he's very good at it. Obviously he's been with champion fence for 25 years as a small business. And if you look up the statistics on how many small businesses stay alive for 25 years, you'll notice that that is a very, very, very small margin. It's a I, think it's like, I think it's one in like a hundred thousand or something like that. I, I can I, I could be close or wrong um and then uh so he knows he knows that kind of stuff and he's he's given me some help and teaching me how to do it he's still a big supporter and big help in our business of running it um he's a good partner um most people think 
working with your father-in-law is kind of weird. Um, I think it's kind of cool. Um, and a lot of people don't work in, like when I work with my dad, I grew up hustling. I owned a lawn business, buddy's lawn care. And that's how I paid for college and everything. Um, and then my brother ran it until it ran for 20 years. Um, until my brother, I think it's still going today actually. And someone else is running it, um, in California. And, uh, you just have to learn to adapt is I guess is the best way. There I am talking with the mic muted. I'm gonna plug. Uh, I'm gonna plug an event that's going on here. So, so if anybody wants to learn more about the staining business, there is a staining, like a staining class and business seminar going on. We'll call it Staining University in um, Pennsylvania. Let me remove that comment there so you can see it. So, so this is going on at Kasurik Distributors or Heritage Fence Company. That I think it's the location that it's going to be at in Skipback, Pennsylvania. It's right uh, a little bit north of Philadelphia. And it's Friday, Mar May 6th. So that's coming up like in two weeks, week or two mm -hmm. weeks. And we're going over wood restoration techniques and chemical selection, fence and deck stain uh, application, tips and tricks, what to do if you make a mistake, equipment demos, you name it. Joe Everest will be there talking about marketing your business with video. Uh, Chris Kasurik will be there. Uh, sorry, Chris Kasuro will be there talking about how they've got a they've got a fence company that's been around I think since 1955 or something like that. So wow, a uh, lot of lot of stuff going on there, and uh, these guys do a lot of big 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 projects. So they can talk uh, talk about that, and that'll be exciting. So if you guys can make it, I'd love to see you there because I'm going to be there, and I think Michael Taylor Bam Bam is going to be there. He was voted best instructor at the. Um, at the Wash Mart event, the Pressure Washing Institute, uh, some of their classes. So got a good team of guys coming down to do that one. So if you can make it, make it. And the I'm going to drop, I will drop the um, sign up link in the, uh, here it is. I'm going to drop it in the comment box. So if you want to go to that event, it's a free event. You should go. Maybe Buddy can make it. When's the one, isn't there going to be one in North Carolina in a couple weeks or a couple months? Yeah, yeah. We got another one coming up in, um, in july the t kim event let me look that one up i'll tell you i'll tell you when it is um so the t kim event is in it's not raleigh it's uh it's a it's a little town outside of greensboro greensboro north greensboro. carolina yeah july 20th and 21st and um that's going to be at the t kim which is a supplier there uh in greensboro and you can register for that one at nationalcleaningexpo.com um, but we'll have those, we'll have all those links up for you guys to click on. But if you want to go to the one in a week or two weeks, the one, uh, May 6th, click this link, but yeah, same thing. Going to be doing all the stuff. Maybe I'll see you. Will you be able to make it to the one in Greensboro? I should be able to. I may bring my guys have a trading day and come awesome. up there Friday or Saturday. Maybe we'll, pro we'll try to make it one of the days at least. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be great. Yeah. So, so <clears throat> one of the great things about these kind of events is the, the sitting around the table talking and uh, you, you learn a whole lot, um, you know, cause there's going to be, I mean, Chris, you got Joe Everest, you're going to have a lot of guys there that have big businesses that have gone from nothing to something pretty spectacular. And I love getting in the room, talking to those guys. So awesome. Hopefully we'll see some folks there, but that's it, man. I appreciate you coming on the show. Yes, sir. I appreciate you having me. Yeah. Well, we will see you. I'll let you get back to work. I'm sure you probably got to go do some deadlifts or something. And, uh, 
I did that before. <laughs> uh, yeah. Is it leg day? Uh, that was yesterday, and I'm and I get to play softball tonight with the guys. So we'll see how that goes. Nice, nice. All right, man. Well, hey, thank you so much. We appreciate everything you do, and we will see you hopefully in thank Greensboro. You. Yes, sir. Thanks all for right, all y'all do for us. Yes, sir. Have a great day. I right, see you later, man. See you. Thank you for listening to the Stain and Steel Experts podcast. Subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and check out Stain and Steel Experts on your favorite social media.